Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Mark chapter 1, verse 23 through 26. And just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Or we could say a modern translation would be under the influence of. And he cried out. And what cried out was not the man, but the spirit in the man. Saying, what business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. You know, I think it is absolutely remarkable that the, that the demons immediately knew who Jesus was. They knew it. They knew who he was. But it took the disciples almost a year and a half to figure out who he was. <laughs> it, who are you? You know, I mean, it's like, are you the son of God? You know, I mean, but the demons knew who he was. So in that... Jesus rebuked him saying, be quiet, be quiet and come out of him. And in Greek, that word, uh, be quiet basically means muzzle, like you would muzzle somebody. Just, just don't say anything. So he was speaking, uh, not to the man, but he was speaking to the spirit. And then it says in verse 26, throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out, with a loud voice and came out of him. This was a very dramatic manifestation that was just that was just happening. And you got to understand this wasn't uh, the kind of behavior that was normal in the synagogue. You, they didn't see this. This is something that was was a new experience that they'd never seen before. So in verse 27 they were all amazed so that they debated amongst themselves saying, what is this? Can you imagine that? Would you ever be, would you be one of those like, what in the world just happened? I mean, shazam. I mean, it's just like, so it says this new teaching with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. You know what was happening? Revival was on. It was game on. And the church was in an explosive moment where God's kingdom was happening and the Spirit of the Lord was moving and you're seeing His reputation go all around all of Galilee immediately. It was like a fire. Revival fire was breaking out. And the thing that I want to emphasize there is that Jesus wasn't dealing with the man. He was dealing with the spirit in the man. So there's no indication that the man was acting like in an abnormal way on a regular basis as he visited the synagogue. But it was the presence of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon Jesus that exposed the demon. It was the anointing of the Lord upon him, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the proclamation, because he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. 
He did two things in the, in the synagogues. He preached the gospel of the kingdom, and he cast out demons. That's what it says in the Word. Those were the two things he did. And so in that, what it did is it brought the presence of the evil one out into the open. And that's when it was uh, a conflict. That's when it was game on. And that's when Jesus basically didn't have any patience for that spirit and said, be quiet and get out of here. You're a nuisance. And he left. And so it says then, let's read further in verse 32. And when evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon possessed. And I just want to say that uh, when I read that, when I read the, the, the word demon possessed, um, I, I don't like that translation because I don't think it, it actually uh, communicates effectively what that word really means in the Greek. Um, the Greek word is daimon isomoni. Daimon isomoni. That's a two word. Uh, if we can break it down uh, in the English, the first part of that word, daimon, is the root, and it comes out from the noun of the word called demon. So the first part, daimon, is, is the noun form of a demon, and the second part of the word, izomi, is the passive aspect of it, which means to be demonized. So you have daimon, izomi. And so in that, a better way to describe that from the Greek in the passive form is to be demonized. It's not to be possessed. And I, and I think it's so important that we understand this translation because I feel like it's obscured things for millions of people. Because people are, are wondering, well, how in the world, you know, can a Christian be possessed? Well, I have something to say about that. That's absolutely not true. Because a true born-again Christian cannot be possessed by a demon. But a true believer in Christ can be demonized by demonic activity. You cannot be possessed. Why can you not be possessed? Because you're possessed by Jesus. You're filled by the Holy Spirit. You're filled up with God. The presence of Almighty God is dwelling within you. You can only be possessed by one person. His name is Jesus. So a, a born-again Christian cannot be possessed, but they can be oppressed or demonized by a demonic spirit. Do you understand that? Is that clear? So we got to get that off the table. Because I think in some ways that's made us think, well, you know, I didn't want to think about this topic because I'm not demon-possessed. So the reality, though, is that we can be afflicted, affected, or oppressed by demons, okay? So in that, in areas in our lives and character where, where you're not able to fully be in control, that 
can be an indication that maybe they're, you're being demonized, not possessed, demonized. And so I want to make sure that I clear this up because I think it is so important because I think the reality of this whole topic has been skewed and Hollywood has not done a good job in making us feel wigged out about this whole topic. It actually was the normal lifestyle and ministry of every new believer in the church dealing with this topic, dealing with this issue. And it says in verse 32, when evening came after the sun had set, they began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demonized. So really, um, in the New Testament, it's hard to even make a distinction at times when it says all that needed healing and all that were demonized because a lot of times the overall operation of being delivered from demons was also to bring healing to people, okay? Because a lot of times the demonic activity was bringing the physical problems in people's lives. Like the woman who was bent over and says that she couldn't walk upright for 19 years. It says that she was afflicted by spirit of infirmity. And Jesus cast out the spirit of infirmity, and guess what? She stood right up. So the two of those things a lot of times go together, and I'm not saying every sickness is a demon, but a lot of times those two things are in the overall package of us as we minister to people is to see them set free so that they might be healed. My spiritual mother, Dolores Winder, she was, I was sitting with her one day, and she says, you know why I was, she had osteoporosis for 19 years, full body cast from here to here. And her body was breaking down from osteoporosis. And she said to me, you know why I was sick for so long? And I said, no, I don't. She said, because there was a spirit of infirmity that was passed down through my great-grandfather, my grandfather, my father, and then it came to me. And see, when she got healed and delivered of that spirit at a Catherine Kuhlman conference, she immediately came out of the body cast and ran up and down the stage, and she was healed for the rest of her life. And it was just an incredible miracle. Catherine Kuhlman says it was one of the greatest miracles of the 21st century that she'd ever seen. So in that, those two a lot of times go together. So then we look at verse 33. And the whole city had gathered at the door, and he healed many who were ill with various diseases. And he cast out many demons. And he was not permitting the demons to speak because they knew who he was. The translation that I prefer, and um, Derek Prince brings this to light, which I have to totally agree with him, is the Phillips translation which means that um, when it says that uh, he, he was cast, he cast out the demons. Actually, uh, I prefer this translation from the Phillips translation, just like Derek Prince. He uses the word expel, which I think is, 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 it just has a nicer sound to it. When you cast out, it just sounds so violent. You know, it's like, you know, you're yelling at them or you're, get out of here or you're wanting to, you know, it's just like, Expel. You know, when you inhale, 
If you inhaled smoke, what are you doing? Then you want to exhale it and get it out of you. So it's simply a part of your will. You're choosing to be free and excel anything that has uh, oppressed you. So I just feel like that expel doesn't have like a lot of religious connotations. You know, it just doesn't have a lot of baggage. So in that, um, let's read on to verse 39. And then it says, And he went into their synagogues throughout all Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and casting out demons. Do you see that in Scripture? It's what he did. And so, but also I do like what the Phillips translation says on this verse. It says that he continued throughout the whole of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and expelling demons. Okay? So I like the fact that the word says he continued, which represents a certain tense in the Greek, which brings the fact It brings to light that this one situation that happened of the man that was delivered from a spirit of infirmity wasn't just a one-time issue. He was continuing going out through all of Galilee, going to the synagogues, and he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and he was casting out demons. I've been at the Sea of Galilee. There are remains of synagogues all over Galilee, hundreds, hundreds. So he was going to hundreds of synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and casting out demons. It was a continuum of his ministry, so it wasn't just a a one-time event. So in that, you know, a lot of people, I think, have the attitude that, well, you know, this might just be a, a one-time thing or, or, or maybe it's, it's just a, a rare, exceptional event just to kind of like make a big splash for the ministry of Jesus. This was not just a one-time event. It was, it was a, a thing that was happening, but I feel like that there's an attitude that in America that we have that people that need to be um, uh, delivered from any demonic activity, well, that's for people that are in the jail or on the street corners. That's not for me. Or that can't be for anybody who's sophisticated going to church on a regular basis. And so I want to deal, but I want you to know that, you know, the people that Jesus was ministering to were regular Orthodox Jewish people that were nice people. They were your nice religious individuals that read the Torah, that after they went to um, Shabbat, which was at the end of, uh, of the sundown on Friday to around lunchtime on Saturday, they were going to the synagogues. They were your nice people that went to went to synagogue, they believed in God, and then they would go back home and tend to their families, or they would go fishing, or they would, you know, uh, go to their workplace. They would be in the average marketplace doing the average things. And these are the individuals that Jesus was expelling demons from. 
It wasn't the people on the street corner. It was the people that were, were religiously trying to follow God and obey Him and love Him. So I want you to understand this isn't just an isolated event for those weird people that are out there. How many people have seen people on street corners in Asheville? I mean, my gosh, I'm like, they're everywhere. I'm like, go get a job. You know, I'm, I, they're everywhere. So it's just not those people exclusively. These are good, respectable, religious people who attend church and say the right things. But I want you to understand something, that being, a, being afflicted or, or there, if there be any demonized aspect in one's life, it's, it's an area where you're not in control. It's an area that you absolutely cannot control. And it may be in your physical desires, or it may be in your emotions, or it may be in your mind you can't control. So I want to give you some ways of finding out um, what you're dealing with. You know, the other day, um, Eliza and I were walking at the Biltmore, and um, yesterday was windy. Y'all know that? I mean, come on. I mean, it was windy. And, uh, and, and you know, we're, we were not able to see the wind. But if I ask you, you know, even yesterday, hey, can you see the wind? You look around and you can't see it because it's invisible. But you can see the effects of the wind. You can see what the wind does. So what we want to do is that we want to look at the effects or what the devil does that causes you to notice what's going on so that you know what you're dealing with. We want to look at the characterizations or we want to understand, you know, we see the wind bend the trees. Well, maybe we can see some of the things that he's doing that's showing us, hey, he's bending the tree right now. You know, it's just not, I, you know, the, the pizza I had last night. It's something's going on. So, um, So I want to just look at um, a list of characteristic activities of demons. Um, the first one is this. I want you to write these down if you can. The first one is this. Is that they entice. They seduce. They tempt and the whole purpose of enticing you is to lead you astray from one's true course. It's to get you off course, to entice you. Eve was enticed to take a bite. She was enticed because that, that, that just that looked so good. She was, she was led off the path and took a bite of uh, I was enticed, unfortunately, I took a bite uh, after the Iraq war. Who remembers this, 
the time in which uh, there was a, a craze going on called the dinar. Anybody remember that? The dinar. Well, it was the big craze. It was kind of like a quick money deal. You know, invest this amount and you're going to get this return on the dinar. And it was a big thing. It was circulating throughout all, even the body of Christ. Big names, you know, you're hearing, oh, he invested it. Oh, yeah, he invested in it. Well, I invested in it. And I was enticed. And my wife says, amen. She kept telling me, I don't know, I don't think this thing's right. But I said, oh, it is, it is. Well, it wasn't. And I lost my money. So, but the fact was I was enticed. Number two, they harass. I want to give you an example of harassment. You know, you could be at work and you're at work and your day is absolutely not going well. No deals are going through. Everything is falling apart. Your, your secretary didn't show up for work, so you can't get anything done. And so you're so frustrated because it was so unproductive. You didn't make any money. And then you get in the car and you're driving home and all of a sudden there's a car wreck and you're in standstill traffic like I was in Atlanta at one time. It was like an hour, two hours of just sitting in traffic in Atlanta and you're, and you're smelling the fumes. You're getting all worked up. You're like, oh my goodness, I just want to get home. And, and, and so finally you get home after a couple hours. You arrive and find out, unfortunately, that um, things did not go well today while you were at work. <laughs> the children were out of control. And you arrive by hearing your wife say, you deal with them. You deal with them. You deal with them. And by the way, I don't have dinner fixed. And the kids are running around and screaming and hollering and they're fighting and all, and all of this. And you're like, and the next thing you know, you blow a fuse. And you explode. And you yell. And you're like, I've had it. Stop. And you just, you just unleash a fury of of just emotion. Well, it could have been that all day long there's been a, a demon of anger that's been following you and waiting on you and setting you up and getting you ready for that explosive moment where your top just comes off. And all of a sudden you just explode. And in that, you are being harassed because he's waiting for a moment of weakness. He's waiting for that moment when he can just say, okay, I think you have a good moment to be angry. Just let it go. You know, it, it's just, it was a moment there, but you were harassed and it led you up where he slipped in in a, a moment of weakness. Number three is that they torment. They're tormentors. They torment spiritually with the suggestion God doesn't love you. You're not really saved. You've committed the unpardonable sin. That's a common form of torment. And they torment you emotionally with fear. They torment you physically with all sorts of horrible things like arthritis and so on. They can just torment your body. And... 
And so in that, um, I mean, Jesus even said, if you do not forgive your fellow believer, God will deliver you to the tormentors. Do you read that? And so in that, and who are they? Well, they're demons. And in that, Christians could be tormented because they're refusing to even forgive somebody. When you choose unforgiveness, you're being given yourself over to tormenting spirits that can torment you. So number four, demons compel. They make you do things we don't really want to do. I can't remember the name of that comedian. He said, well, the devil made me do it. I forget who he was, but I can hear it. So, and that's true. I mean, it, there are certain things that compel you to do things that you don't want to do. Um, I had a very dear friend that um, he kept picking at his fingers, uh, and he would pick them, and then he would chew them, and he would chew off his nails all the way down to the core, and then they would bleed. And I would, I would look at him, and he's got blood on his fingertips, and he can't stop chewing off his nails. Literally, he would chew off the whole nail. And I'm like, doesn't that hurt you? Hey, yeah, but, but I can't stop. I can't stop. I'll never forget the day I was sitting having herba mate tea with him one morning, and he said, Sam, look. He said, you know, I went to an individual I know that has a real gift in, in deliverance, an anointing, and I was set free from a, a demon that was demonized me. He was tormenting me. He was bothering me. There was such an addiction to biting my nails. I was set free, and he says, "I no longer am. A, I I don't have to even bite. I don't even have a desire to bite him anymore." He said, "Look at it. He actually had fingernail polish on his nails because he wanted his nails to grow again. I mean, it was just. I mean." in a nice way. I mean, he was doing it because he was trying to restore his nails, but it, it was like, that is so nice. I'm, I'm happy for you. But he was set free. Number five, demons enslave. They make you slaves. You see, people can sin, and you decide to repent, and you turn, and you stop sinning. That's, that's one thing. That's good. Praise God. But another instance could be a man, you might get drunk, and then he decides well, I don't want to get drunk anymore. So he stops. He repents and he stops. But, but when you're enslaved, is that um, it's like an alcoholic. They can't stop drinking. They're enslaved to the alcohol. And in that when you put compel and enslave together, guess what you get? Addiction. So in that, these spirits are causing addiction in people's lives, and they need to be set free. Number six, demons defile. They make you feel dirty. They make you feel unclean. They project evil or impure images or thoughts or words into your minds. 
It's like, you know, you could be having a wonderful time. You're getting ready to get in the presence of the Lord and you're worshiping him and you're, and you're just wanting to be with Jesus. The next thing you know, you have just, a, just an evil, perverted thought come in your mind. It just comes into your mind and it's there to try to prevent you from worshiping God. It's trying to prevent you and hold you back from entering into what God has for you. So in that, we have that... Um, All right, we're moving on here. You know, there's a wonderful thing. I need to stop getting messages in the, in the middle of my message. I'm getting these messages flying. Hey, great word, Sam Fine. All right. So, all right. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So, um, so in that, they enslave you. Number six, they defile you, and they'll put... Uh, dirty, unclean images and thoughts into your mind. And then number seven, demons deceive. They are behind all forms of religious deception. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Number eight, Demons make people weak or sick or tired, or they try to even kill people, like they did my Dolores Winder. There, these are the, really the main areas in which they can operate, but there are hundreds of different types of demonic spirits that can be in operation. But this is kind of succinctly categorizing some of the areas that they can affect you and, and really, um, in some ways, torment you. But the main area that they affect, I believe, is that the, it's the emotions and, it's the, and the attitudes. That's really the areas that they target. It doesn't mean that you've, you've got a demon. It means that there's a demon there trying to influence you and... For instance, you can get angry and it's not a demon, right? But if you get angry and you can't control yourself and you get angry when you don't want to get angry, that could be a demon influencing you if you can't control it. And one of the most common spirits is a spirit of fear. Because Paul says God has not given us a spirit of fear. And it doesn't come from God. But fear is something that we easily, all of us, can really give way to. A spirit of fear is paralyzing. It just, it just shuts you down. And a spirit of fear is always followed by a spirit of rejection. And it's, it's, it's making you want to feel like you're unworthy, unwanted. Nobody really loves me. Nobody really understands me. It's like you're on the outside looking in. But it's something that can really affect you. And I believe that uh, a spirit of rejection is really due to the breakup of the family that we've seen in our nation. And the thing that gives a child a sense of security is, you know, the love and the care of a father. Having a father there. 
It gives a sense of peace. And where that's missing, there's something in a child that cries out, I don't know who I am. I don't feel secure. I don't feel safe. I, I, I feel like I'm on the outside. But the Lord Jesus wants us to know that in him, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. In him, we have confidence in who we are as children of God. And in that, it's powerful to understand that in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said to his disciples, he gave us all authority over the evil one to trample upon him. So that means that we have all authority over everything I just talked about. So you have all the authority, and he has no authority. Mark 10.1, when, or Mark Matthew 10.1, when he sent out the 12 disciples, he commissioned them, and the first thing he says to them, go, I've given you authority over the evil one, go and cast out demons. That is the first commissioning of the 12 disciples. The 70 came back. What was their response? What were they so excited about? That even the, the demons were subject to the name of Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, I saw him fall like lightning from sky. Mark 16, 17 says, these signs will accompany those. And the first one is what? You shall cast out demons. That's the first assignment of us as believers as we go in commissioning and going out and making disciples in all the world. So this is what he's assigned us to. So we can't just back off and think, well, you know, let's let somebody else deal with that. Let's, let's let Carolyn deal with the demons, you know? <laughs> I don't want to deal with the demons. Carolyn does a really good job. Let's let her do it. First Corinthians 15, verse 57 says this. I want to end on a good note here. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In every situation you're in, you have the victory. In Jesus Christ. And we can give praise and honor and glory unto him for the victory that he's won for us on the cross. And so in that, we are to be soldiers of the Most High, ever vigilant and ever aware of knowing what's going on around us so that we can be engaged. And you know what? We are all pressing for the high prize, the high calling in Christ Jesus. And we don't want anything to derail us or get us off the path. we got to stay focused, face like a flint. We're, we're heading home. And so in that, it's going to be a victorious journey until we meet him face to face. But in that, until we get there, we're going to be dealing with things. But the good news is that the battle's already been won through our Savior. Amen.